So today being the 19th, I picked verse 11 for the proverb of the day. Here it is. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, if you've been um, here the last couple of weeks, you know that I'm in a series about the ego. And today's sermon topic is giving up our right to be offended. How perfect is that proverb? I'm thinking, wow, that's great. In fact, I'm going to use that for our main text today. I'm pretty excited about that. Because how often does that happen? I don't know. Um, throughout, th- but let's, let's get on with it. Th- throughout history, there has been an altar. People in the Old Testament would have these altars. And uh, it'd be a, pl- a place that people would go and they would make a sacrifice. It'd be a place that people would go and lay something down and give it to God. And... Um, We've been talking about laying some things down. We've been talking about the topic of our ego. And our ego is what we think about ourselves. It's what we believe to be true of ourselves. And uh, uh, unfortunately, an awful lot of us have an inaccurate view view of who we're supposed to be. So in this message series, we've been uh, learning to lay down some things at the altar to sacrifice who we think we are so that we have room in our mind and in our heart to figure out who God says we are. There's a big difference We'll talk about that a little bit today. The first week, we talked about laying down our feelings of inadequacy um, so we could become who God says we are. The last week, we talked about laying down our need to control. We learned that we mostly try to control circumstances and people, and it's pretty, pretty common that we do that. Um, and after last week's message, I heard from an awful lot of people who realized that they're anxious about things because they're trying to control either people or circumstances that are not theirs to control. And uh, so, uh, but God says that when we try to do that, that we're only going to be anxious. Scripture tells us that we'll only be anxious. But when we trust him instead, his word promises us that the peace of God, which transcends all of our understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds. How good is that? It's really terrific. So today we're going to learn to, uh, to how to lay down our right to be offended, our right to be offended, because An awful lot of us, I think it's so common today and getting more common for people to be too easily offended somehow and somewhere. Next week, we're going to, and that may be our most helpful week, I think of the four in the series, we're going to talk about laying down our longing for approval. Because the easiest way to, to, to lose your focus of what God thinks about you is to be too concerned with what other people think about you. So we'll talk about that next week. Today I want to talk about laying down our right to be offended. And I have to tell you, um, you know, transparently that there are still some areas in my life where I am too easily offended. And I'm, I mean, it's often the smallest, most insignificant, stupid little things, and I get to burn my saddle, and, um, and I really shouldn't. Now, maybe some of you can relate. I mean, for me, it seems like most of the time when I get offended, I'm somewhere in the proximity of my steering wheel, Okay. <laughs> And so, I mean, it's like, I, I, I just, I'm driving on the freeway, in the rain, minding my own business, being godly and all, and the guy that comes past me, which is rare, by the way, because I'm, anyway, so the guy that comes past me, and there's a big wide open freeway in front, he could go a long ways and then get into this lane, but no, they wait until they're six inches past and pull past, and you know, and I'm thinking, really, come on, I mean, you had room, you didn't have to do that, and I get kind of this thing going, and I start kind of getting frustrated, and I want to flash my lights, and I want to get in front of them and jam, you know, the stuff that I think in my mind, I want to flip the switch where the nose gun comes out, <laughs> did you realize your pastor is so psychotic, anyway, so, 
<laughs> Come on, tell me, guys, you've never dreamed of that, right? Okay. So, I mean, or, or here's the one that really, really gets to me. I shouldn't even give this because I'm getting angry thinking about it. You know, you're driving along and there's heavy traffic and then the signs say, lane closed ahead, head merge, right? So you know there's something going on. That doesn't bother me. I'm glad that people take care of our, car, our, our roads. But what bothers me is, is, okay, all of the civilized people will plan for that and start to file in an orderly and honorable way into the lanes that they should be in. But there are a few. A few privileged characters who think that their time is too important to have to wait. Their time is more important than all the people that are already ahead of them. I'm getting worked up. And, and they go charging down the side, and there may not even be a lane there. They're in the, they're, they're in the shoulder, and they go charge into the front. And I'm just thinking, and I'm getting offended. And then it gets worse. Because every person that they pass, I'm thinking, I'm offended at you now for that guy and that guy and that guy. And, and you see, I'm getting it. And then it even gets worse. Because there's a guy way up there that thinks, oh, hey, come on. You can't get in? And I'm, now I'm offended for me. I'm offended for everybody in line. And now I'm mad at the let-in guy in the front of the line. Don't you know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to scrape them off on the dump truck. <laughs> And I get just too easily offended. You know, I was in one of those situations one time going over Snoqualmie Pass, and it was narrowed down. It was in the middle of the daytime, and, and um, the, the, the truck in front of me, as the tractor-trailer combination, it was, it was a lot of traffic, and people kept charging in front, and of course that just slows down the lane. The tractor-trailer in front of me pulled over and took two lanes, and I thought, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> it stopped the whole thing. I mean, I mean, I don't know what it is for you <laughs> that makes you get offended. Some little thing that when you look at it, you think, you know, my reaction is not commensurate with that violation there. I've got a little bit of a problem with, my, with being offended. Maybe, maybe somebody says something to you and their tone is just a little bit terse. <laughs> Okay. Hey, listen, I was giving cats the week off. Okay. <laughs> they say something, or they interrupt your sermon, right? Okay. No offense. I've, no, no, we're good. I bring that on to myself. I've earned that, I'm pretty sure. Or maybe, you know, maybe it's something as simple as you have something important and you make, you send a message, or, and they, they don't return your text or they don't return your call, and an unreasonable amount of time goes by, and now you're frustrated, and you get offended, or you know, in some way they've stepped on your toes, and they don't say, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that, or, or you do something nice for them, and there's no acknowledgement, no thank you, they're not, you know, they didn't do it. And, and so we have this you know, thing where we're just too easily offended. Here's the deal, though. It's not just out there, in the body of Christ, in the church. It's amazing how easily Christians get offended too. I mean, I, I've had conversations with people where actually I, I had a family leave this church because I wouldn't agree with a, a gentleman that people could come into a saving relationship with Jesus without 
an altar at the front of the church. Like, there has to be an altar or they can't get saved. And I said, no, it's just not true. You know, and I'm back in my mind, I'm thinking this snarky comment, like, do you think Jesus had a portable altar he carried with him? Here, do you want to get saved? Kneel down. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we have sometimes some pretty thin skin in the body of Christ. And why is it that we are so easily offended? It's because we're living out of our egos, our very insecure egos that want to be right. We want to, we want to win. But for us to be right, somebody else has to be wrong. For us to win, somebody else has to actually lose. And so our egos not only are easily offended, but sometimes we actually, they go out looking for places to be offended. And we go out and we find things, when we do that, we're finding things wrong everywhere we go. In fact, it's possible, and sometimes you see this happen too, where people actually find friendships with people, and their friendship, the common base of their friendship, is what they're upset about. What their common, their, 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 their common thing is that what they're offended about together. So we get together and we talk about, we don't like this and we don't like that, and why, but our egos, our own egos, know we're right. You know, we're right. And we're offended because it's all about us. And there's a scripture that talks about this. Very common, very sad condition, and we read it already, Proverbs 19.11. Here's our scripture for today. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. Bless that little one. What a gift. Bless that little one. A man's wisdom gives him patience, but it's to his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. We live in a world that's quick to judge. It's quick to call a foul. It's quick to be offended. But it's very, very slow to overlook an offense. And by the way, to overlook an offense doesn't mean you pretend like it never happened. To overlook an offense is actually a form of forgiveness. When you overlook an offense, it's actually a form of forgiving somebody. And these two words that are in the scripture, overlook, um, they're, they're, they're Hebrew words that are translated into that word overlook. They literally mean to overlook or to pass over, to pass over an offense. It's the exact same word that you find in Exodus twelve twelve, which is that situation where God is giving instructions to the children of Israel. I'm going to be coming and the last curse is going to land upon the people of this kingdom of Egypt. And I want to pass over you. I want to overlook what's in your family and what's gone on in your heart. I'm going to overlook. That is the exact same word that Passover comes from. And um, it's to our glory to, to pass over an offense, to, to catch some sort of spiritual altitude and say, you know, I could stay up here and I could, you know, be offended and I could kind of get all anxious and I could, you know, create a problem. I could let it weigh me down. But instead, I'm going to rise above this. I, I, I'm going to pass over this. It's to my glory. It's to your, to your glory, Lord, that I'm going to pass over. And, and thinking to ourselves, I've got more important things to do than to get all worked up over the fact that this guy merged into my lane sooner than I thought he should. That's what window cleaners are for. Now, why do we... So rarely in our society do that. Why do we pass over? 
It's because we are living out of our egos. We're, we're, instead of living in the grace that the Lord Jesus Christ extends to us, we live in our egos. And, you know, so I want to look at a really, really important couple of verses um, that talk about this. First one's in Romans 12, verse 3. And so here's Paul talking to the church in Rome. For by the grace given me, now this is Paul talking, right? So here's an important question. If you know your Bible characters, was Paul extended any grace by God? I mean, the answer is pretty obvious. He, he, he was known for persecuting Christians. He was known for killing Christians. And the Lord forgave him. Here he is now writing scriptures. So the answer to the question is pretty obvious. Um, has God extended Paul any grace? Well, yeah, he extended him a lot. Did other Christians extend him grace? The answer is yes, they did. They were, they were a little scared for a while, but they did. Has God extended you and me? Any grace? These are the questions to get us into context here with Paul. Do you hope other people will extend grace to you? Of course. So Paul says, God has given me so much grace. And people have given me so much grace. So we'll pick up here. I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. He's saying right there, don't let it be about your ego. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. He's saying, because of the grace God has given me, I'm not going to think more highly of myself than I should. I, I, and here's the deal. Check this out. When I don't think more highly, when I don't let it be about my ego, I'm not so easily offended. Great. So I'm going to show you three points um, to, of, of application for us on the, about, about this. And the first one is this. Because of Christ's grace to me, number one, I will give others the benefit of the doubt. Because I've been forgiven so much, I'm going to think the best about other people. Ephesians 4.2 says it like this. Always be humble. It's not about you. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because of God's grace for me through Christ, I'm going to give other people the benefit of the doubt. It's often, I mean, it's interesting how often we just don't give other people the benefit of the doubt. Here's what we do. We judge other people by their actions, but we want to be judged by our motives. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, you know, I, it, here's an example. I, I complain about the way other people drive, you know. Obviously, because I'm such a grand driver. I'm just, you know, I complain about them. And, uh, but then there's this time when I was very young, hadn't had my driver's license very long. I've told you the story before. Nighttime driving, and I drove my car into what I thought was the driveway at a junior high school. And it wasn't. It was a sidewalk that ramp that came down. And before I realized it, I'd gone off the driveway, turned into the parking lot, which actually happened to be soggy, wet grass. So soggy and wet that my car went about, 30 feet and sunk to the floor pan and I was going nowhere. Now there was stuff going on and it was an evening and there was a whole bunch of stuff going on in the junior high that night. And so I had no option but to go inside and say help to whoever's in authority. So here I am, a 16-year-old boy, my car in the schoolyard grass. You get the picture here? My actions were I drove my car in the grass. My motive was accident. I have a good, explain, a good way to explain this. And you need to trust me because, you know, my motives here were innocent, right? That's what I'm thinking. But I go in there, and what do they see? 
16-year-old lawn job got caught this time. Serves you right. Right? <laughs> That's what they saw. I said, I don't know what, you know, tell me what I got to do. I mean, it's like, and it was just like, but that's what we do. We, we end up, we don't give other people the benefit of the doubt. We, we judge them by their actions and not by their motive. Because of the grace given to me, the, the thing, the simple thing that I want this to boil down to is I will give other people the benefit of the doubt. When they're short with you, maybe they're just having a really bad day. You know, maybe one of their teenage children has just made some incredibly destructive decisions. Maybe, maybe, you know, they just heard something from the doctor that has just destroyed their, what they were thinking about for next month or next year. And they're just not in the place today at this moment to be on their best game with you. Maybe. Maybe they're running behind and them cutting you off had nothing to do with you. <laughs> it's not always about us. Maybe, maybe their bad mood is not about you. Because of the grace extended to me, I want to give other people the benefit of the doubt. So as a follower of Christ, here's what I want to do. I want to, be, I want to have thick skin and a soft heart. So often... What we have instead is thin skin and kind of a thick heart. And I don't want to be so easily offended. I want to have a soft heart and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Did you know that hurt people hurt people? You heard that before? When people are hurting, they just get defensive. They just get, you know, they're wounded. They, they, and, and if you think of them as wounded and hurting, it helps you have compassion for them. It helps you, you know, rather than being angry, rather, rather than being offended by them, it helps you, you know, for example, if you've ever had a, an animal that you cared about or saw one that was wounded, you know, you know what it does. It defends itself. It defends itself when it doesn't need to. It over-defends itself. And sometimes that defending itself hurts what's around it. I was babysitting uh, my daughter's puppy recently, and... I've got a great relationship with this little dog and, um, and uh, it sleeps in a crate. And one morning I opened up the crate and I said, come on, let's go. And it hadn't come out. So I reached in to help it out and it <laughs> bit me. It bit me, you know, and um, it was just scared. Didn't know its circumstances, didn't understand. And of course, I wanted to pick the crate up and throw it across the room. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, it got blood. And I'm thinking, hey. I mean, if it had been a, if, <laughs> yeah, it's this big. I mean, the, do- the whole dog, not the mouth. I mean, if it had been a cat, it probably would have taken my arm off, but I was really going to give them the day off today. Can't, can't help myself. That's right. So a wounded animal will defend itself. And when I see someone who is somehow bearing up under some unreasonable pain, I see them differently. And the things they do, they can run over my toes, they can do those things. And I, I, instead of getting angry and thinking, I want this fixed, it changes my heart. And I want to think, wow, how can I help? How can I help relieve some of this pain? How can I pray for you? And rather than be offended by them, I have compassion for them. Okay, so because of the grace given to me, I will give other people the benefit of the doubt. Second thing is, 
Because of the grace given to me, I will not label others. I will not label other people. Could you imagine if God labeled us, right? You know, based on some, he took some isolated event at some specific point in your life. You know, before I was a Christian, and a little bit after, maybe a little bit even today, I mean, there were times, especially in my BC days, I was a pretty insensitive jerk. Hard to believe, I suppose, huh? (laughs) I mean, but what if... God looked at those moments in my life and said, hmm, that defines Terry. So here, you know, he comes to let me preach in his pulpit one day, and he says, you know, here he is, the pastor of Crossroads Church, Terry the Jerk, or Terry the Insensitive. What if that was the label heaven decided to put on me? It, it would break my heart. It would, it would break all of our hearts. But God doesn't do that. He forgives, and he gives chances, another chance, you know, but that's not commonly what we do. We commonly, we take one or two isolated moments in somebody's life and we label them based upon that time, based upon what was going there. You know, we say, oh, he's such a jerk or she's such a control freak or he's a this or she's a that. And we label people permanently because of something that happened on a temporary basis. And here's what Jesus said to us about that in Luke 6. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will be not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Because of the grace given to me, I will not label others. And there are really good reasons why your mother told you, don't call names. Those words go out, and they land, and they do something. And sometimes labeling is really, really destructive, you know. You've labeled your spouse, and you said, oh, she always this, and she always, she's that. Um, and that label, by the way, never motivates your spouse to change. It doesn't. Instead, what it does, when you label your bride that way, guys, it crushes something in her soul that should be blooming somewhere. Instead, it's getting squashed. And also, we discount what God is doing in somebody else's life. Or maybe you've labeled your husband, or you've labeled child, or somebody else, and God says, you know, would say to you in this moment, hold up here. I didn't label you. I put my son's name upon you. I gave you the best label. Why are you doing this to somebody else? Because I care about that person. Because of the grace that God extends to me, I'm going to give other people the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not going to label other people. And the third one, and this is a big one, because of the grace God has given me, I will forgive as I have been forgiven. I will forgive others as Christ has forgiven me. In fact, this is what scripture says in Colossians 3.13. Make allowances. Make allowance for each other's faults. Now don't miss this because here's what scripture says. And forgive anyone who offends you. Wow. I'll just pause there for a minute because that's a pretty firm statement. Forgive anyone who offends you. And then remember what the Lord did. He, the Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. And I know, so I know you're saying, okay, I get it, Terry. Somebody cuts me off in traffic. I got that. I, I, I can get that together. I can forgive that. I can do that. Or somebody forgets to say thank you. I'm, I'm good on that. I can pass over that. I can go over that. That's fine. But when they do something really big, now we're talking here a massive offense, you know, they abused me, 
or someone that I love or, or they, they lie about me and their lies are costing me something or, or he's cheating. The big things, I, do, I don't have to forgive that, right? I mean, you're not, you are not telling me that, right? I can overlook the small things, but I am justified in my hurt and my anger. I'm justified sometimes, and we actually say we're justified to carry this, business, this bitterness. I, I, I want revenge for that big thing. I want that put right. There's no way you're telling me that. And Jesus said something that's incredibly sobering about that. Matthew 6, verses 14 to 15. He says this, but if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, this is Jesus talking, your father will not forgive your sins. That is incredibly sobering. If you don't forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly father won't forgive you. And I will be really transparent with you about this scripture. Early in my Christian walk, I had read this, you know, I read through the Bible and um, that was one that somehow jumped out, kind of perched somewhere and um, I had a tendency to think, especially early in my Christian walk, that I, you know, I really believed in justice. I still believe in justice. But I believed in justice almost, almost to the point of deifying justice. And the truth is, I don't think I really want justice anymore. I want mercy. I do not want justice in my life. I want mercy. Because I know about me. I know how I've, come and sh- I've fallen short. I, 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 I am throwing myself at the feet of mercy, not at the feet of, my, of justice. I just don't want to go there. Way back at that time, I, had, you know, I was thinking that way, and, and, and I was trying to live righteously. I'm a new Christian. I'm learning the Bible, and I'm going to church, and I'm taking classes, and I'm putting myself in a position where I'm learning more about the Lord, and I'm you know, fixing things in my life, and and trying to sort out my theology and what I believe and what's right and, and let the Holy Spirit put more of God into me and extract more flesh out of me. And somewhere in there, I had this standard in my heart and I thought, okay, I can forgive just about everything. There's not very many things I can't forgive. Translation, there's a couple things I won't forgive. This. If this thing ever happens to me or somebody I love, that I will not forgive. Now I sound like the Godfather, you know. <laughs> that I will not forgive. Okay, I can hear the movie in my mind. Maybe you can't, but I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the movie right now. Okay, so I've got this list. It's a very small list. And I'm convincing myself, I'm not going to forgive that. If that ever happens, it'll never happen to me. But if it does, I just won't forget it. You'll never guess what happened. In my life, the journey of my life, it took me to the place where I found myself confronted by that very thing I said I will never forgive. And I don't think it was because God looked and saw that and said, oh, you won't, huh? Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) I will say this to you, though. Don't ever draw a line in the sand for God. Don't ever do that. That is just unwise. You're going over there, okay? You draw a line in the sand of your heart and say, God, I'm never going to cross this line. I know you're over there, but this is one area I'm not crossing. Don't do it. Because the Lord very lovingly and through a whole painful episode of my life walked me hand in hand through this process and said, not only will, yes, you will forgive, you need to, I know you will. I believe God knew I would forgive. 
I didn't know I would forgive. And I needed, the Lord needed me to know that I was capable of forgiving that. But I just mentioned that to you um, on the side. Don't draw lines in the sand for God because you invariably will be looking at that line sooner than you think. Keep your heart tender before the Lord. And he took me to show me. And, and so I, I want to say now, this is a, a rabbit trail. I'm not going down it, but I want to recognize this enough that, that um, forgiving and giving trust are not the same thing. And that's where a lot of people get hung up. They think, well, I can say I will forgive, but I will never trust that person. And, and, and yet the, 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 the refusal to trust is really keeping back the forgiving as well. Um, they can be separated. And I want to promise you, tell you this too about the word of God. Nowhere in here does God tell you to put your trust in someone where it's not warranted. So the Lord telling you to forgive, you need to do. Trust, different issue. You don't need to get confused on those, but I'm not going to go down that trail today. So how do you forgive something that is totally unforgivable? Something that's caused so much destruction, how do you actually forgive that? Let me, let me help you see where the scriptures tell us. Ephesians 4.32 tells us this. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That's how we do it. I mean... We forgive in the same way and just as Christ forgave us. Here's what I didn't expect, though, in that process. I believe that as I grow in my walk with the Lord, the closer I get to God, the more forgiveness stops being a process. It stops being a process. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a really close friend. This is just a few years back. And um, I'm not sure what I did that hurt him. But I hurt hurt this friend. And somehow, something happened there. And he kind of turned on me, and he started to talk about me and say things about me out there. And they were negative. And he was doing this a lot. And, um, you know... Being in church leadership, I think over the years, I've become a little bit used to having people talk negative about me. I mean, I mean, it just, it, in this kind of a role, that just happens. It shouldn't happen, but it does. And people like me, if we stick around long enough, we can kind of start to learn how to just deal with it. But this was particularly hurtful because it was a close friend, someone I loved, known for a long, long time. And the words that he was saying to me kept coming from different sources and they were unloving and they were hurtful. They were even destroying some things about my reputation and uh, you know, to me they were, they were it was a big deal it was really significant and at one time in my life I would have been you know, furious about it I would have been defending myself I would have been building a case, I would have been lining up my ducks but for some reason in this instance something of compassion kind of just bubbled up in my soul I just had this compassion for my friend and I thought, I thought, what in the world is going on there that is making this, this, this is not like him. And I just had this supernaturally placed compassion in my heart. It wasn't, it wasn't somehow my maturity winning out. It was supernaturally placed there by the Lord. I didn't defend myself. I just thought, you know, I know the truth. God's my defender. And, and, and so I ended up just praying 
about this thing. And what happened, instead of forgiveness happening over a period of time, I was able to forgive my friend in an ongoing basis, because it was still continuing, in real time. In real time, just as it was going on. By God's grace, I was able to catch some you know, spiritual attitude and pass over an offense that was hurting me. It's for God's glory every time you pass over an offense and we forgive as we've been forgiven. You know, in the Old Testament, times, you know, people would be forgiven by God. They would go through this process. They would take some innocent animal and it would be sacrificed at an altar. And with the shedding of blood, they'd be forgiven. And um, the offenders, these people that would be going, they would be forgiven by God because they had done the right thing, the prescribed thing at the altar. They were forgiven because they did the right thing. And now you and I are no longer forgiven because we do the right thing, because we can't do the right thing anymore. We're now forgiven because Jesus did the right thing on my behalf and on behalf of you and everybody you know. We're forgiven by God, not through a process, but in real time. It's for God's glory that you pass over an offense and forgive as you've been forgiven. When we understand how we've been forgiven and we acknowledge that hurt people hurt people, they do, right? They do, right? Okay. (laughs) But the opposite is also true. Forgiven people forgive people. That's got to be us because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. I don't have a right to be offended. I'm not justified in my anger. And it's not always about me winning. Because of what Christ did for me, I'll give other people the benefit of the doubt. I will not label others. And I will forgive as I've been forgiven. Doesn't mean that it's easy. But the more you experience the grace of Christ, the more you're going to realize that forgiving is not a process. Okay? Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I want to pray today that your spirit would do something in us and for us that we're incapable of doing ourselves and that that you would bring healing into our lives where there are offenses Lord help us to find that place of forgiveness God where where we have somehow waited for the scales of justice to get us to the place where we are willing to forgive well Lord just somehow in our hearts tip those scales right now I pray I pray Lord because I believe that people who just have been wounded deeply don't sometimes know how to forgive. They don't want to carry the burden any longer. They don't want to carry the hurt with them any longer. And counselors are good, and they can help us deal with our angst. And I, 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 I support all of that. But Lord, the most important step to health for me is not what anybody else does. It's what I choose to release out of my heart. To put my trust in you rather than waiting for circumstances or any other process to bring justice to to a broken world because justice will never fix a broken world. Only, Only the blood of Christ will fix a broken world. 
So God, I pray. I want to pray for people in this room who somehow probably locked up 10 minutes ago. As I said, you have to forgive anyone who offends you because the, the wounds go deep. Lord, if I was too blunt, forgive me for that. But I pray now and ask this, with the, the power and sensitivity of your spirit would get into broken hearts and help untether a chain of forgiveness. That, Lord, something of new life and new hope and new freshness that you want would be given to, to us, your sons and your daughters. Consequences, relationships, trust, those are different issues. But, God, I pray that you would look through this group and our eyes are closed and find us and say, it's time to forgive. It's time to let that go, right? That's a simple question. You don't have to work out every other problem in your mind, but it's just time to let that go. I want everybody to, to keep their eyes closed. Even the band, everybody, please keep your eyes closed. I'm keeping mine closed. Church, if you have something down in your soul where an offense has never been unlatched because you have withheld forgiveness, you hear the voice of the Lord right now speaking it to you. I just would just like to help you build an altar at this moment to lay that down on. And the altar is just in privacy. You acknowledge to God and say, I'm hurting, but I'm willing to try this, God. I'll lean into you. You're going to have to carry the weight. But I'll forgive if you'll help me with it. Just stick your hand up in the air and put it back down. Just wave it at God. That's all, that it, that's all I'm asking. Nobody's peeking, and, and thank, you, thank you for that. God, I pray now for the supernatural to be poured out upon us. Your word promises that when we trust in you, that, that the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard our hearts and our mind. Lord, we claim that promise. You said it to us. It's in your word. We believe it. Thank you in Jesus' name.